Welcome to the Heart to Heart podcast with me, Sinead McKernan. I aim to host inspiring and empowering conversations around well-being. In this episode, I speak to Neve Burke, a nutritional therapist based in Galway, specializing in fertility and hormones. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Neve. Welcome. I'm delighted to introduce Neve Burke, um, nutritional therapist based in Galway and specializing in female wellness and balancing hormones and supporting couples through fertility. Have I got it right? Yeah, yeah. I, I work in the area kind of like all female hormone um, things. So I've kind of gone down um, a fertility rabbit hole lately after my own journey. But I do a lot of women with kind of perimenopause, menopause, polycystic ovaries, endometriosis, all those kind of hormonal symptoms and helping to rebalance the body and just help them feel better. And all the other things that come along with that, like insomnia, low energy, bloating, all that kind of stuff. So um, there's a lot in it. The hormones affect everything, basically. So when you give them a good reset, people just feel so much better. And it's such important work to support mm, women and I suppose educating men on how to support women through you know these kind of imbalances in the body and how they can really affect all areas of our lives and some of the issues that you mentioned there can we go through them one by one and just educate me and the listeners and what's happening in the body for uh, a woman that might be experiencing each of those issues oh yeah no problem at all um Interestingly, um, my own PCOS is what got me really interested in the area of nutrition because I was getting very strange symptoms. And in fact, actually polycystic ovaries and um, perimenopause, like a load of the symptoms overlap. One of the main contributors is um, their blood sugar response. So basically, um, a young, healthy person usually can, you know, eat some sugar and get away with it. Um, if somebody has diabetes or PCOS, diabetes is uh, kind of like similar to PCOS and the blood sugar response aspect of it. They actually call PCOS diabetes of the ovaries. But when you can't control your blood sugars po- properly, and this is what happens in perimenopause as well, um, you end up getting these massive peaks and then these massive crashes. And most people won't actually realize when their blood sugars are spiking, but they start getting symptoms when they're in a crash. And these are probably the most common symptoms I see women coming to me with. But so when you are experiencing a blood sugar crash, one of the things that can happen is like the brain does not like it. So it's going to be like, oh, you better eat some sugar here because I can sense that the blood sugars are crashing. So you're going to be getting sugar cravings. You can have like just... A, a very quick mood swing you could be feeling great one minute and the next minute you could feel really kind of like irritable and kind of like angry and that's because um your body responds to that blood sugar crash by releasing the stress hormones you kind of go into a like a fight or flight response and what happens then is that the liver will release some sugar um 
to like help the person escape the danger mm. and the danger is the low blood sugar but it's creating a stress response I'm sure our lives are all so stressful anyway so this is just extra stress that like the body has to deal with in this blood sugar crash so your cravings mood changes and the stress response that happens the other symptoms you can get is because like you're getting your energy is crashing because your fuel source is being taken out of energy circulation and being put into fat storage um, and when that happens as well it's much harder to lose weight because people are eating and their food has been used stored as fat instead of being used as energy so people yeah. are getting the same energy from their meals and like that's why blood sugar balancing is at the core of all hormone balancing because this stress response affects the female hormones it'll affect the thyroid it'll affect actually the sleep wake hormones and one of the things that can happen if you have a blood sugar crash in the middle of the night and this cortisol kicks in is actually you can wake up and you're finding it impossible to go back to sleep and if you have a blood sugar crash before you go to bed you won't be able to sleep you'll just be tossing and turning for hours and um, one of the things like I always try and get balance back to my clients um, from kind of a root cause like what's causing it how can we balance this but one thing that can help with the sleep issues is actually having a little snack before bed because it's going to just bring those blood sugars back up and um, so that the person can sleep because uh, uh, like well <laughs> you taught her as well Sinead like we know sleep deprivation is like a form of torture like and I always have a snack hard. before bed <laughs> yeah it's so hard like to function um when you're sleep deprived the next day it's really hard to manage um your cravings it's really hard to make good choices it's really hard to feel motivated to look after yourself if you're like running on empty so the, with the core of all like my clients whether they're perimenopausal or they've pcos or any other kind of hormone conditions i'd be like let's look at your blood sugars do you have some symptoms that your blood sugars are off are you getting that 3 p.m slump do you find it hard to go along without um food without getting a sugar craving how is your sleep if you're falling asleep okay but you're tossing and turning and you're not waking up refreshed that can also be all linked back to your blood glucose as well so we'd really go in there and like try and fix the blood glucose first and um we might you know put in some treat foods that are not high in sugar because i think everyone like still likes to have their chocolates they like to have their treats so we might just swap some of those treat foods um if you know because it's very hard to say to somebody like don't have any sugar at all don't have any treats like that's not realistic so we might swap some of them out and we might put some supplements in as well to help and um, their cells use the sugar they are eating better but over overall that will massively take the load off the body and like so basically instead of going up and down all day we want to kind of like kind of elongated peaks so you're getting like more energy out of your food it's lasting you for longer you're not getting the cravings um and your mood is stabilized as well so that's like kind of like at the core of what I would do with clients and I'd look at their diet and I'd say like how can we tweak this uh to what you're eating already to um just be more blood sugar balancing and we put in some supplements as well so am I right in saying PCOS and um, perimenopause and diabetes could all have similar symptoms. Yeah, and interestingly, they did a study, it was called the Catilda study um, recently, I think it was last year, or it could have been this year, um, 
And they released data where they did a study on like thousands of adults over 50, and they found that a third of them were pre-diabetic um, or had metabolic syndrome. So what happens when you are eating and you're not using your food properly for energy, um, usually it starts getting stored around the waist, whereas the most unhealthy place to um, store it, because that's a really inflammatory fat and that's where around your organs, it's very kind of disease promoting fat mm -hmm. so we want to um try and shift that from happening and i think like it's really hard because like people are told um you know go on a diet lose weight but first of all right when your cells stop like if you can imagine a cell right cell can only take in a little bit of glucose at a time right um, so what what's happening with most people is like they're overwhelming their cells with like loads of glucose at a time when they're like inactive, like at their desk or not doing much. It's fine if you're going to the gym to use fast release uh, carbohydrates and sugars because your body will use them. These little cells are getting overwhelmed. They can't use them. So the body will step in and go like this blood sugar actually is going to be causing more harm than good. We'll just put it into fat storage because high blood glucose is very oxidizing on the cells. It's very pro-aging, so the body will want to get rid of that sugar if it's not being used. So if you um, balance the meals so the food is very slow releasing, the cells love that. They just love to be drip-fed, and they'll, they'll, they'll work really well then. And you'll, you'll have a really steady, slow state um, of energy, and you won't have all those big peaks and crashes and mood changes during the daytime and cravings as well. Like That is like kind of the most... Um, optimum way to feed yourself um, but what happens is is that when as we get older um, diabetes is kind of like an age-related disorder um, age lack of muscle lack of movement um, and change in hormones especially with women it all kind of leads us down the path of being our actual cells responding um, less favorably to glucose Okay. so basically what can happen is, is that you're eating exactly the same diet and all of a sudden you can't get away with like having your chocolate in the evening it's actually starts affecting your sleep um whereas you could before so then you want to put in something else a snack or a treat that's lower in sugar and um you, you can do that like i mean i do have i have keto programs on my website as well um but like you don't necessarily have to do the keto diet to yeah. um to get benefits from having like you can use the keto recipes though like the mm. keto treats because we know all the keto treats are going to be really low in sugar so you could have like some keto treats in the freezer to have in the evening times instead of a high sugar chocolate bar you know you could just use that aspect of the diet um or you can use things like I, this is one of the things i will love and at the moment um is um chicory root syrup so if you look at something like maple syrup, actually, I, I do like maple syrup because it's quite nutritious in comparison to like, say, for example, table sugar. Um, but if you look at maple syrup, it's between 60 and 70% pure sugar. And um, chicory root syrup um, tastes, you, you can get it actually in a lot of supermarkets now and the health food stores, but actually tastes kind of like golden syrup or something like that. And mm. it's only between 13 and 14 percent sugar so that's actually a lovely swap in recipes um that you can add in and you're good it's a it's a syrup that comes from fiber and um the fiber is actually really good for your gut the only thing about it is if you're not used to eating a lot of fiber <laughs> you need to like start having that very slowly because you will get wind and gas from it yeah. but i use it a lot um 
I think it's great for recipes for kids and things like that. And um, like I like keto diet stuff as well, but you have to remember as well, the keto diet does use um sweeteners. Um, you can use natural sweeteners, but there's still what sweet- is the keto diet for anyone listening that is not aware of the oh yeah, oh per- yeah, the keto diet basically is and I use it sometimes for clients to kind of reset their system. And it depends what the person feels able for as well, because sometimes people are like, oh, I want to diet overall. And then sometimes people say I'm only able for small changes. But if I have somebody coming along to me and like they're really they're not using fat for energy at all and their body needs to be retrained into using fat for energy um, to support their metabolism. Um, and if they're suffering from a lot of pain and inflammation in their body and swelling, keto diet is brilliant for that because it's very anti-inflammatory and it's um very low in uh, like uh, oxidative stress on the body so um I love it for that kind of thing so it's basically what you do is like you take the carbohydrates out and the hormone that's your fat storage hormone called, called insulin um really comes down in response to the no carbohydrates and once insulin comes to a certain point your body will switch over to burning fat for energy and um, it is a, it is a tough diet to start. Mm. Um, like I did it um before my wedding to try and lose weight, and um I thought that I would just do it for a few months in preparation for my wedding, and then I'd stop. But I actually ended up doing it for three years because I loved it so much. I felt great on it. I was like, wow, my brain feels amazing. I think like for anybody who has high blood sugar tendencies, when the blood sugar comes down and you feel good. You're like, wow, I feel amazing now and I don't want to stop this feeling. So I ended up getting pregnant and then um, I went off the keto diet when I was pregnant. You can actually do the keto diet when you're pregnant. I did look into it and did a lot of research on it. But my body was really craving fruit when I was pregnant and I really wanted to listen to my body. I was like, there's like good nutrients in fruit. Okay, it's not Mm -hmm. keto friendly, but like maybe my body needs those nutrients. So I went off the keto diet then, but... um, like there's research now about like people using it like to improve egg quality coming up to fertility treatment and like it it has lots of benefits the only thing is is that for someone maybe who doesn't feel able to go on a strict diet or has maybe a history of eating disorders it wouldn't be suitable for them so the some of the other things you would advise implementing like you mentioned there would be eating more kind of sustainable meals that will give you energy throughout the day in periods when you are active but obviously not having those bigger meals when you you know it's closer to bedtime and your body's not going to be moving very much and and then simple spots for maybe lower sugar items like the chicory root syrup or the maple syrup or things like that and it's nice kind of simple simple manageable swaps for people starting exactly and you know what even do you know one of the things because people love their bread sourdough bread actually has an, a much lower impact on your blood um sugar yeah. than regular bread and if you pair your sourdough bread even with some eggs then you're getting your healthy fats and your protein and you're going to have like a way more glycemic or blood glucose friendly breakfast there especially having protein in the morning like the research shows that when people have good quality protein for breakfast in the morning they actually eat less calories later on in the day so um it's it's your eggs and your oats yeah yeah it's so good for your metabolism to give your you know to have that protein first thing in the morning really sets you up for the day 
Um, and yeah, it can, it can be simple. Like, I mean, obviously you can do the strict diet or like it can be simple swaps as well. I'm a real yeah. advocate of meet your body where it's at um, and see like what you're able for. And you're like this as well, Sinead, because you're like put in some small changes, mm. get the best benefits. Because yeah. one of the things is that like I find with clients, women are all or nothing. And like that is like literally just setting yourself up for failure. Always put too much pressure on ourselves. And yeah, that's yeah. Kind of, that, that brings on more stress because you've, you're trying to reach unattainable goals and then you're upset or you feel you know, negative about yourself and don't reach them. But when they're small and manageable, integrate them slowly and then build on them. It's more sustainable, as you say, and beneficial and less stress. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'll tell you, like when I, after I had my little girl, two things that were so simple that really helped me with my energy, right, were just taking my supplements in the morning. And I used to have a cold shower after my hot shower. Um, I love cold water, like just some, so simple between 30 and 90 seconds has been shown to boost your dopamine levels for energy and motivation. Those two things helped start me you know implement other healthy things because yeah. they start giving my energy back to me you know um and the other thing as well that I just really was like Neve, I'm banning you from using your phone in bed because what was happening to me was that like I was scrolling and I look at the time I could be 45 minutes imagine like on my phone and I know that if I can do if I did do that like other people are as well and whereas I would have been tired getting into bed yeah be like kind of wired trying to fall asleep so now it's like phone is always on flight mode at night time um and like if I want to go on my phone like I like even like do you know what do you know what I do like I actually I go right I'm going to stand in the kitchen on it because I won't stand for long I don't feel comfortable and I'm not you know and (laughs) catch myself in a few minutes and go like okay this is uncomfortable I'm gonna go to bed now Um, you know but having said that now sometimes I would catch myself an odd night and go why did I do that to myself because like you're you know sleep is so precious especially when you have a toddler and um what you're doing is you're really interrupting your natural circadian rhythm and the circadian rhythm is so connected to all your hormones and your blood sugar response as well so like those three little simple things like even can support weight loss imagine having my cold shower making sure I take my supplements in the morning after breakfast and um stopping scrolling on my phone at night time like and just getting an extra up to 45 minutes of sleep overnight it's just so it all adds up like the good quality sleep you wake up feeling more rested more positive about your day you're more likely to reach for you know maybe I'll make myself a smoothie or just have a glass of water and as you say the nice kind of cold shower at the end of the hot shower and you're more likely your brain is more geared towards positive habits but when you have that lack of sleep and you feel deprived your brain the hormones are like let's get more energy from somewhere and it reaches for coffee croissants and you know then then you get the slump and the laziness during the day and it doesn't feed well into the balance that you want to create and it all comes from a good night's sleep and it's the simple things that we need to come back to isn't it definitely definitely like I have had clients um you know they're doing everything right um their their diet is really good like they could be going to the gym three times a week and um you know they're trying to be perfect but that actually they don't have really the the very basic things in place of having a good night's sleep you know 
Um, the other thing as well that is actually very good for you is trying to just expose your eyes to sunlight first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because the light, the light in the morning is just a different spectrum than like later on in the day. Um, so even if you're like driving to work, have the window down, if you could like wrap yourself up really well and go out and um, have your tea outside or your coffee and like bonus points. Yeah, if you can stick your toes into the grass. <laughs> you know, they've done studies about grounding and how like it has such a strong anti-inflammatory effect on the body. And when your cells are inflamed, they're going to be in a danger response. And one of the things that they can happen, like when you're in that response is it doesn't want to let go of weight because it's afraid to let go of weight in case something bad is going to happen. It's going to be holding on to that in case like there's war or famine or something. So these little practices that don't take much effort because a lot of the time people are actually very fatigued from having such a busy life and the thoughts maybe of going to the gym three times a week is actually just something that they they can't motivate themselves to do because actually they're so depleted anyway would the gym even do anything good for them yeah. and a lot of the time it's that in the evening when the body's trying to wind down and gentle exercise would be better at that time anyway I do see is, that a lot even with um, my own students is they would have the healthy habits you know that seem on paper wonderful but there's an overriding kind of stress that's just ticking along in the brain during the day and that's dragging everything else down and you know the scrolling on the phone for too long and it's what like what's giving you energy during the day and what's taking your energy away from you during the day I think we all need to look at the kind of broader view on that of our day routine and how it adds up you know, I know it is it is hard and I think sometimes as well like women don't feel uh very relaxed when they're in the home because often women will look at, at the home as a second job like because they'll be thinking about stuff that men might necessarily think about like you know where the tea towels clean when do I need to wash the sheets next you know or better change the bin in the bathroom like all those things probably that a man would never think about and um if it's a case like where you know you find it very difficult to relax when you're in the house, then try and, you know, have your class that's outside the house, whatever that is. I know I love yoga, your breath work. Um, there's lovely sound baths now. There's so many lovely things mm. that you can do. Um, I just and found it's it really restorative that you're not going to have yeah. distractions yeah. at home. Yeah, 100%. It's exactly. difficult to switch off. The mind is always going, oh, you know, the laundry's done. I have to get that out or it'll start to smell. And, you know, if... If there's kids in the house, there's always, always jobs to be done. Um, I going back to like grounding and just natural light and the really simple things that you can introduce that are free, really, in your day. And I think that's why maybe like the sea swimming and the cold water dips and immersion has become so popular. And there's like added benefits to those that we may not even realize, like being you're on the like the ground, the sand, probably in your bare feet and you're out in the natural daylight, maybe first thing in the morning. So you're getting that natural daylight into your eyes and then maybe the cold water as well. And, you know, if you're doing it with other people, there's the community aspect of it. And there's all of these amazing benefits interwoven and it's free and it's simple. And there's so, so many things like that that we can be doing to kind of support our health and our hormones and our mental health and um, it doesn't have to be, as you say, a big overhaul of 
yeah or ex like anything expensive you know like I mean um one of the things that I absolutely adore getting done when I get it done it's such a treat is acupuncture but you know it soon adds up because most you know acupuncture sessions are between 50 and 60 euros and mm. um, so if you wanted to go you know each week for a month that's 240 euros and not many people can afford that luxury yeah. so using those other practices are really going to um help make it a little bit more feasible as well coming back to your own journey you mentioned was it pcos that you had when you were younger before you started getting into this work yeah so um i actually had symptoms now i didn't i didn't clock this at the time but like i had like menopausal symptoms when i was in my 20s like i had horrendous PMS I had terrible insomnia Um, I started like growing hair where I didn't want to grow it and um, I I just had all of these crazy symptoms and actually what was happening to me was like um I wasn't ovulating um, and that's actually what happens like in perimenopause you start having these cycles where you don't ovulate as well and it's this drop in progesterone um which really impacts the mood progesterone is such a lovely hormone it's really calming and it's really nice it has a really nice action on the brain it actually acts like kind of an antidepressant and um when progesterone starts dropping and it actually starts declining when we're 35 um you can really notice pms and things like that um mm -hmm. start like getting much worse but sometimes for with people with pcos you can actually stop ovulating um and at the time of when I was stopping ovulating imagine it was when actually because you do associate a PCOS with being overweight but I was actually my slimmest but um I was going to the gym loads loads I was going to the gym loads and I was creating too much stress for my body and I was stopping myself ovulating because my body was already very stressed from all this blood sugar imbalance, like it was just the icing on the cake then to start doing all this, I was doing loads of cardio as well at the time, which really does push your blood sugars up even more. Um, and I was getting this crazy PMS. And I remember I was in and out to the doctor loads. And like one of the things we learned in college, like one of your nutritional therapy is like, you are a teacher to your clients, like you to explain to them, like give them knowledge. Like it's, you don't get to take a client so that they have to keep coming back to you. Like you teach them how to do everything themselves and why they're doing it and like why things are affecting their body. So they become the master of their own hormones, if you like. Yeah. Um, but basically, like when I stopped the gym, started putting in some blood sugar support and um, started putting in some stress management techniques, I started ovulating again and like... Like a lot of my symptoms went away and the more I learned about nutrition the more I was able to tap in with balancing my hormones and um you know when I was trying to have a baby then and I had a fertility scan she said there was no evidence even of any polycystic ovary um disease which was great yeah. um so um I, I was able to manage a true lifestyle and diet but it's just funny because like you know the doctor was never able to go through anything or explain anything and when, eventually when I got diagnosed um he diagnosed me over the phone he was so blunt he was like yeah you have PCOS and I was like well what do I do and he was like well are you trying to have a baby and I said no and he said we'll just get back to us when you are and I was like oh right is there anything else I can do 
So um, that was it. I did actually book in to speak to a female doctor afterwards. And, you know, she was like, do you want to go on antidepressants for the PMS? Do you want to go on the pill? That would stop it as well. And because um, I had very bad anxiety as well, because when your blood sugars are crashing and you're really high cortisol, I was an anxious wreck most yeah. of the time. And that creates a loop in itself, doesn't it? When you're experiencing all those symptoms and you're really frustrated and trying your best to do everything to help yourself. And if any, you know, it takes time for these changes to occur. And if you're not seeing the changes, it creates more tension and frustration. And it can be really difficult for anyone suffering any of the symptoms and they're not sure what it is and they're not finding the right supports and they're getting more frustrated with themselves, which makes the symptoms worse. It's just so it was terrible. And one of the things that happened to me, and you'd be familiar with this as well, is I had a couple of panic attacks and talk about a vicious circle. Like I was already anxious and anxiety is such a fearful kind of emotion. And then I had a panic attack and I, that made my anxiety so much worse because I was always afraid I was going to have another panic attack. I was so afraid of having the panic attacks. I was making myself more anxious. So it was such a, a vicious circle and I remember thinking at the time like I just wish there was somebody who could explain to me why this is happening to my body and it was so upsetting and so overwhelming and yeah it's just it's just a horrible way for a young woman to live and I'm just so glad that like I went down that road to be able to help people with symptoms like this because actually as I said a lot of them overlap sometimes people start getting them in perimenopause as well and they don't feel good they feel anxious mood swings bad PMS and um, to help balance their hormones as well when you've experienced it yourself it's a whole different understanding you know rather than just studying it on paper you've had that experience you've more empathy and compassion than when you're helping other people because you you've been there you know it's a whole a whole deeper understanding so I'm sure you know your clients are benefiting so much from your experience even though it was hard for you at the time and like myself you went you chose to go down the longer more difficult path to really figuring out the root cause of it yeah that's exactly it um and you know, I suppose it was a hard time, but it probably is what drove me to do nutrition and gave me a passion for my career, you know. Um, so something bad turned out to be something good. Yeah, definitely. And a nice thing. Disguised blessings. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about stress and the impact it has, like the brain, the gut, the heart, they're all in communication with each other and stress has a massive impact you know on our physical bodies and our mind and then interrupts everything else like the sleep and the diet and um obviously then hormones are really affected by stress and fertility and reproductive and you know there's the stress receptors from the brain sending messages down to the ovaries and the placenta and um, I don't know if people that are struggling with issues realize the levels of stress that they may be under or um, are they fully aware of this, the, all the avenues of stress that is coming into their lives and how they can change or implement, you know, more holistic changes in their lives to manage the stress and therefore 
um, help their reproductive systems and you are supporting couples with fertility um is stress a big big kind of common issue yeah and you know what it's very frustrating because when I was going through my fertility journey as well like so many of my friends were like you just need to relax and it will happen like a magic wand and you know sometimes you need someone to give you those tools to relax and um I think sometimes when you're told like, oh, stress is bad for you and you know you're stressed, you kind of bury your head in the sand a bit, not try not to deal with it. Um, one thing about stress is that the body like is adaptable to stress. If it's not chronic and absolutely 24-7. So what you want to do is like give it a chance to unplug from the stress. And um actually I, I on my fertility program, I have like just even a simple breathing session that you did for me I think that's amazing like just what you're doing is like you're actually just saying to your body like okay you've been stressed all day we're going to disconnect now and I'm, this is me letting you know that there is actually no war or famine coming and what can happen you see is that the body is very clever if a war or famine is coming the body will be like well if you get pregnant if there's a war or famine like your your likelihood of surviving is greatly reduced so let's just switch off your fertility um so that you don't get pregnant or if you have a baby your likelihood of you know that's going to slow you down if you need to travel um and it'll deplete your nutrient stores as well so i'll just shut down your fertility as well so and the thing is is that like you know there is war and famine going on in the world at the moment so our bodies will always be adaptable to that to that we have to remember that are we sending our body these signals like that's what chronic stress does because the body doesn't know the difference between it you know the famous one is a lion chasing you or you're in it stuck in a traffic jam so you really want to um just be a little bit more mindful of like just cruising through the whole day being really stressed out Mm. Um, and like just taking little snippets to have a few breaths like like obviously I'm preaching to the choir here but um you know or on my program there's a few different modalities depending on what people feel like work for them like a short little yoga or a stretch um breath work EFT I absolutely love EFT as well and that's a tapping technique where you use the energy meridians and to help with stress and you you say positive affirmations at the same time as well and um hypnotherapy any kind of meditation anything like that is lovely if you feel like you can relax at home but you can do you can do breathing anywhere that's what I love you can do it yeah anywhere yeah so that's why like I think that's just one of the probably the most simplest things that you can use um, I do find though with people that I've worked with and um, often they're caught in the chronic stress loop and are completely unaware of it because it's just become the norm and yeah. even in one of my sessions recently with a company um, I asked them just to list some signals in the body that might be telling them that they're stressed and one man asked me to, he, he couldn't understand the question did not know what I was talking about and couldn't answer it. He was just dumbfounded. What do you mean signals in the body from stress? Um, And I said to him, you know, there can be symptoms or things can manifest in the body that's created from stress. It's the list is endless, you know, headaches and pains in the body and 
shortness of breath and anxiety and sleep and digestion and it, it can all be affected and he said no I don't I don't have any signals of stress in the body and I said well you're either like a complete zen buddhist monk that's just living on top of a mountain and not experiencing any stress or you're disconnected from your body and you really need to you know take time out and listen and it was like a the, the first time he'd ever heard it I said do you ever stop to relax oh yeah I do I go out with friends and I watch movies and I said no but it's you know different to actually stop and listen and it can be very uncomfortable if you're not used to it but would you say that's you know a top top priority for people that are experiencing any issues with their fertility or reproductive issues listen um women in general I think can experience that um like I I think it's very difficult for people on a fertility journey like to disconnect from the stress because they're on a journey that is like they're reminded every day like you know that they're trying to have this baby um so it's very difficult for them I think I'm thinking now like about my weight loss clients because I find with them um they always say to me Neve, like you tell me what to do like because they want me to give them the answers but I'm like well you need to look inwards to your body to see what your body needs and they can't tell me but you know a lovely thing is to put on some nice music get a notebook listen you know lie down take two a few deep breaths just to relax yourself and think like what does my body need is there anything that I'm doing on a day-to-day basis that like is not helping me to achieve my goal you know um because checking in just checking in yeah yeah, checking in with their body like you know and again like for me I actually did that practice and that's when I was like Neve you need to stop scrolling on your phone at night time you know um and sometimes as well like I find like that I might let the weekend go past without doing having a proper food shop so like I'm like when I want to go and get something healthy out of the fridge I'm like what am I going to eat here now you know yeah I think that's really important to be organized as well but um you know what will help me and instead of trying to ask somebody else like obviously I can educate people and I can tell them like let's do this balance your blood sugars but really like taking the time to connect in with yourself and see what is your body um yearning for yeah yeah it will tell you it will tell you if you listen yeah yeah it's interesting and um like somebody did ask me that before like what do you want and I was like oh I don't know because like, after having the baby I feel like everything is about the baby yeah you know so that's something I'm trying to do at the moment as well as like connecting to what like I feel I need for myself now because like she's getting a little bit older and I'm, I'm feeling like I have a little bit more freedom yeah. so I'm like what do I need now like I'm trying to like listen to myself I think that's very important yeah it's a difficult practice an easy thing to do but a difficult one to master like like the breathing and like integrating the habits they're simple and they're easy but you just have to practice have patience and practice it and keep keep showing up and doing doing those things for anyone that is on a fertility journey at the minute and is finding it difficult to get pregnant um 
apart from you know checking in and trying to eliminate as much stress as they can and integrate more restorative things to calm the body like breathing and acupuncture and whatever else what about diet or other tips or advice that you might have for them to enhance um so if when it comes to fertility usually the recommended advice is if you've been trying for six months and you're over 35 years of age you should um, seek support and if you're um, under 35 and you've been trying over a year and um, you should, should seek support now I always think like you know it is good to have like a gynae um, who'd be treating things very traditionally like like a doctor would which is assessing things assessing symptoms checking diagnosing and then medicating um, and then maybe somebody like myself who would be like very much more holistic like here's some tools to manage your stress Um, here are foods that will help you optimize your egg quality let's look after your gut health and your microbiome and like really kind of help balance and reset everything mm-hmm. and I suppose um, I feel like I wouldn't be able to try to do the doctor's jobs or anything but I think like there are like bloods you can get from the GPs even before you go in to see the consultant to see like I have clients and um, you know possibly they mightn't even be ovulating and like if they don't know how to check properly if they're ovulating obviously you can get like a test strip in the supermarket but you need to check seven days after that to see if your progesterone is high enough to indicate if you ovulated and um, because the test strips actually only ch- check for this hormone called luteinizing hormone which peaks just before you ovulate um, and that'll happen even if you don't ovulate actually so um, you're t- you're t- you are checking like around the time like that you would expect yourself to ovulate, and you might get a positive LH, but you need to check your progesterone. So what can happen a lot of the time with clients is like basically they mightn't be ovulating, or their progesterone is too low for the egg to implant, and um they wouldn't get pregnant unless they get support. So just little tips like that. I usually I kind of have a full module on. Um, my online program about like when to test what levels you should be looking at when to ask for support like further support and um, what thank god now actually um the hsc has some free support as well so that like you can be i think people are afraid to ask for it because maybe they don't want to go down the ivf route mm. but actually the great thing is is that like even before they'll rec they'll recommend you do ivf or anything like that they'll do a good bit of testing beforehand okay. to see why you haven't been getting pregnant so it's great just to you can yeah. start getting the ball rolling by talking to your gp um getting your blood tests done um, looking after your egg and uh, sperm quality trying to manage your stress as best as you can the one thing i would say is that like when you are actually it's lovely being pregnant but then when the baby comes along like you're so de- sleep deprived and depleted and like then a lot of people go back to work life gets so much more hectic so you need to be able to look after yourself for that and have these practices in place so it's something that you want to return to when life stops being so crazy when you have a newborn yeah. um, so that's really important as well but um, I would like kind of like take a stance of educating, empowering yeah. clients as well. Like 50% of the time there's male factor infertility. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, women a lot of the time put like a lot of the blame on themselves. So we really need to get those two couples working together mm-hmm. to support each other and making sure both of them are healthy as well. There's so many things when it comes to fertility. And I heard a quote before 
And I was like, oh my God, yes, this just makes so much sense to me. Like 15% of couples will experience problems with fertility, right? So it's so common. But if you think about it, like, like pregnancy is like Everest in utero, which means like it is actually a massive thing for your body to do. And you wouldn't go thinking I'm going to climb Mount Everest now and not put any pre preparation in like for you like, you yeah. know, to prepare your body to be in the best health possible. And usually when you do that, um, like getting pregnant is going to be much easier. Or if if, say, for example, you do get offered that free round of um, IVF at the HSC, that um, you'll have a much higher chance of that working because you've done so much work beforehand to get your egg quality up to get the sperm quality up to get the environment where the egg has to implant um really healthy as well um, and like in IVF they give you progesterone because in the studies they they see that like when women get progesterone um after IVF treatment that there's a much higher success rate and that just shows you actually that there's so many women that do need progesterone support because progesterone is the hormone that's most affected by stress and that's the hormone that the body will shut down yeah. Um, if you're stressed to stop you getting pregnant so would people actually take a progesterone supplement themselves if they were if they knew that they were low on it yeah so there's a couple of vitamins and nutrients and herbs you can take if your progesterone is low um but if if it's, if you if your progesterone is through the floor though that is an indication that you're not ovulating at all and then you might just need a little bit more um, support in ovulating. So with progesterone, usually you're supporting the second half of the cycle. If it's a, if it's a bit lower, then we'd like it. Yeah. But if it's totally tanked, that means that yeah, the support really needs to be targeted at the start of the cycle when the egg is developing because it's actually um, the corpus luteum, which is actually the shell of the egg when you ovulate, that produces the progesterone. So you want to make sure that that corpus luteum is really healthy. And one of the things that can really damage that corpus luteum is high blood glucose. Imagine, isn't that interesting? Mm. And it, um, it can, because it has an oxidizing effect on the cells, can um, damage the corpus luteum and the corpus luteum is not able to produce as much progesterone or sometimes like they mightn't release the egg at all or um, or they might release an empty egg. It just depends. But like working on egg quality is really going to help support um, ovulation. Yeah, I did read a study about it was done on um, mice and rats and put under um, chronic stress for, I think, two or three months. And they've the seen the egg count go down and they've seen the reproductive organs all suffer from that. And again, you know, we forget that everything is linked and we think, you know, oh, sure, it should be fine. It should be easy. But often there's other factors that we may not be considering um what about sex having sex trying for a baby is there a good time is it just every any chance you get <laughs> yeah I listened to a podcast actually recently and he was talking about um connection and sex being so good it's so good for stress like if we don't have sex like you're not thinking about well usually most people are not thinking about <laughs> that's on their mind they're actually releasing loads of hormones and really relaxes their brain and um, especially if you have an orgasm 
So it actually is really good. He was saying that like, you know, if you're having quality time with your partner, if you only have like half an hour, an hour to watch a bit of TV in the in the evening time, he was saying like, don't do that every evening. Try and just go to bed early and have sex because it'd be so much better for your connection with them, getting your human touch and then, you know, for a relaxation. And then like all those endorphins you release when you're having sex, like so good. Um, and like what could happen with, with partners? Like, look, if you're perimenopausal or if you're suffer- if you're trying for a, to have a baby, you end up like trying to really target the sex around one time in the month. And then the rest of the month, like you nearly go off sex because it's becoming such a chore. But um, I think that like the one thing I always think is that like you always enjoy sex when you have it, even if you don't feel like it, like in the end, it always ends well, I think. Well, if you have a good partner anyway, <laughs> um, so that you're not being left... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it should be enjoyable <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so I think it is good like I definitely would recommend trying to have sex more if you're not having sex enough and um, sometimes if um like you know during menopause and stuff if you're getting any dryness down there balancing your hormones is going to help balance all of that out mm. and um there's a time in the month basically coming up to day 14 I mean people ovulate on different days could be like 13 14 15 16 17 even 18 but what you'll notice a few days before you ovulate is you'll start getting some fertility mucus and that's the best time to have sex um if you're planning to have a baby um i do think it's a good idea to check your ovulation as well because i was assuming i was ovulating on day 14 and i wasn't actually ovulating until day 18 when we first started trying um and i think there could have been four or five months for we were uh, like having sex from day 11 to 14 and stopping then on day 14. Mm. And then yeah. I was ovulating four days later, okay. you know, so we were nearly missing our window there. Um, so when it really comes down to, again, your message of empowering yourself, because, you know, the general advice, it can't go to every woman's reproductive system and every man's because, you know, you're dealing with so many different factors, so many different people. And then each there's, there's as you say it's a couple as well that's creating the the baby hopefully um you know there's two systems yeah together so it's going to be different for everyone um, yeah I think so. for anyone that's experienced um a miscarriage and um is maybe thinking of trying to get pregnant again uh, firstly, have you any advice for a woman that has experienced a miscarriage? And then do you have like, is there a window amount of time where you should wait until you try again? Or is it all personal to each? Yeah, it can be very personal to everyone, especially, you know, depending on when you had the miscarriage. If it's early, you know, before first, say, two months um there's not much development there yet so um there wouldn't be much tissue lost because the more tissue you lose actually the more nutrients you're losing um if it's later it is going to be harder um i think one of the things i actually did reach out to a few friends and found out that like you know people were saying like why did miscarriage as well but they had never told me Mm. So I think it's good, you know, if you have friends with kids to talk to them because you'll be so surprised about like who will come forward and say, actually, you know, I had a miscarriage as well. Yeah. Um, 
So the most common reason they say for um, miscarriages is chromosomal abnormalities. And, um, you know, when I had, I had two actually miscarriages, but after my first one, I was like, okay, that's normal. And then when I had the second one, actually, I was like, okay, now I'm really worried there's something wrong, you know? Um, and then I was like, right, I'm going to get some help. And um, I, I, I actually tried to reach out to a gynae, two different gynees. One of them, I, I actually said to them, I think it could be to do with my progesterone. They were like, we'll just come back when you're pregnant. Um, I was just had this feeling that was going to be too late though so I went to another gynae and she was like oh definitely it's definitely your progesterone but interestingly the second gynae asked me so much questions about my cycle and my history whereas the first one didn't ask me any questions at all or why I thought it was my progesterone I just didn't be listened to at all so it's so important to get in front of the right gynae like if you feel like your gynae is not listening to you move gynaes like you don't have to stick with that person mm. um, and then she was like you definitely need progesterone so I was actually so lucky, I have to say, that like I found out why I was having the miscarriages. And it's really hard when you don't know because you're so, you feel I think the words would be like very unsafe because everything is so out of your control. Um and I used to like kind of have affirmations stuck up to try and calm myself, but coming up to my period, like every time it's the same for everyone who's trying, you'll be so anxious and just worried and a bit PMSy as well. Um but what I would say is that, I mean, my only experience I can comment on is because I've had an early miss, not a later one. I feel like just give yourself a month or two to process it. And actually even just even letting yourself have a natural period is going to naturally reset your hormones. So it'll help you feel better, yeah. a little bit better in relation to hormones. Um, I think it's important to look for help. So in my clinic, like I have seen people like having miscarriages because of progesterone. Um, but more commonly with low progesterone, you can't get pregnant at all. But the thing is, like I was trying for so long, three years before I got pregnant even. So, um, I you know, but it wasn't happening. It was because of the low progesterone. Um, and I think in clinical firm, the most common reason I see is an imbalance in the vaginal microbiome so if you think like the vaginal microbiome should be 95% uh, like the lactobacillus family and like we would have had like like you know things like loads of raw milk in our diet and things like that that would have been given us loads of good quality lactobacillus um, and now we don't have that the same stuff like so unless you're really looking after your gut um, I, I love actually I really promote people to drink kefir when they're preparing for pregnancy because that's like one of the foods most highly concentrated yeah lactobacillus and it moves very popular now it's in all the supermarkets yeah widely available for people it is so it is but the homemade one is actually the best one because it has over 2000 strains of good bacteria whereas the shop bought ones only has about 10 and I don't love that like they're all stored in plastic yeah um, the homemade one if you're going to do it do it. you might as well do it right yeah. I, I like actually everyone on my online program gets free kefir grains I'm like <laughs> these now with your kefir, kefir grains. for everyone but it's yeah exactly, exactly. The, the bread because the overprocessed bread that's available in the supermarkets and that looks fresh for three months is so bad for your gut but then when you go to the sourdough or baking your own bread it's yeah. going to be easily processed in your in your body and through, through your gut so the less processed I guess we have the more gut exactly exactly 
So yeah, I see that like when people have like had a lot of miscarriages, if you've had definitely, I wouldn't jump maybe to it straight away, say like, well, maybe it's the microbiome, but actually it's just something, it's a little test that you can do. Um, it's around like about 270 euros. Um, it's actually included in my microbiome package for fertility. It's one where like you do, we look at your vaginal microbiome, we look at your diet to optimize egg and sperm quality and your stress. And um, you have two kind of power hours at meet where we try and figure out like what's your next step and what might be stopping you. Great service. Um, it's like fascinating to find out what's going on in your own body, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. But some particular families of bacteria are really associated with inflammation. And what happens is, is that anything that's infl- inflamed, once something starts growing there, um, it's going to put pressure on the tissues and the immune system is not going to like it and it can mm-hmm. just reject it. Um, one of the things I suppose that helps me with um, dealing with a miscarriage as well is that um, I, I I had a lovely lady when she scanned me and um, she kind of described it as, like when you're having a miscarriage it's not something dying like because you think something dying is just something being killed or something but she said it's just like for an early miscarriage is cells dividing and then they just really slow down and stop and then all the hormones will drop and then you'll you know get your period and I suppose it's different though because any time later than that like it is starting to be, become like a, a proper fetus proper baby so um it's very it, it must it has to be harder for people who have had miscarriages later on um but I think just to say that that helped me a little bit deal with it and just give myself that time to grieve and like for my hormones to come back I still was crazy with anxiety every time it was like before my period but yeah. um I kind of felt it was strange because I actually felt very strong after going through that and coming out the other side like I felt like oh my god women are amazing we're so strong and I felt really connected to my partner like for how much he supported me as well um and like I actually afterwards I thought like god that was awful to go through and it was so upsetting but like I was like oh my god now I know what women go through and if if I never had a miscarriage I would never know what women go through and I think it's really important for me working in this area to actually know yeah what they go through so in a way I wouldn't take it back you know yeah, it's an amazing mindset to have around it um, and to realize, you know, this the strength that we do have. And as you say, it's very common. I know a lot of women that have had mon- multiple miscarriages and um, I suppose it should be easy to just be open about and discuss with each other and our partners or, you know, other men in our lives, because it's it can be part of life yeah it definitely is a big part of life and I think you know one of the things like oh don't tell anybody that like you're you're pregnant until after 12 weeks in case you have a miscarriage it's really kind of cementing into us that like you know having a miscarriage is so bad yeah I actually because when I got pregnant for the first time like even though I did have a miscarriage I was so excited I just wanted to tell everyone and I just felt like god it's very hard for women that they can't um, but I definitely think talking to your friends, you'd be so surprised like that somebody will, you know, say to you, like, I've had a miscarriage as well. And like I found now that like when I was telling my friends that more of them said that they had a miscarriage than had said not. And like the only way that you'll find out is if you actually open up or even like a friend who maybe didn't have a miscarriage would be like, oh, my mum had one or my sister had one. And, you know, actually does help 
you know, talking about it will help you process the trauma, um, you know, which is, is very important. But also, like, if you think about the most common reason is chromosomal abnormalities, um, and most of them would be non-genetic as well. So how do you prevent them is, like, actually just making sure that your egg and sperm health is the best quality possible. Um, and then, like, maybe looking at your microbiome health as well. Um, so that's going to help reduce your risk so i i do work with clients like who maybe had like i've worked with clients who've had five miscarriages in a row seven miscarriages in a row and went on then and had a healthy pregnancy and like that's what we'd be working on now usually i would say to them like talk to their gynae money certain gynees will do this but immune related um infertility like maybe talk to your gynae and see if this could be an issue usually with the immune related infertility there will be other symptoms present as well, like maybe somebody like um has a lot of in kind of reactive symptoms, like maybe they have hay fever, they have mm-hmm. asthma, they have bad eczema. You can see that there's kind of inflammation in the body. Yeah. yeah, yeah, active inflammation, yeah, allergies or even to chemicals, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or autoimmune antibodies in the thyroid. I'd be like, yeah, definitely, we need to get you in front of immune an immunologist as well. You might just need an extra bit of support. Yeah. We'll also look at the microbiome and the uh, optimizing the egg and sperm quality. Unfortunately, fertility is not simple. Like a lot of the time I have to say to clients like, okay, we found this big red flag here. The man, like the male has problems with his sperm. We can't stop there. We need to keep working on you as well because actually there's probably a 50% chance that the woman is involved as well if we find yeah. something with the man. So we want to make sure that like while he's working on a sperm, we're ruling out anything else, if you know what I mean. So I would have people coming in with multiple stuff coming on. There could be problems with his sperm, problem with their microbiome. And um, because a lot of couples are eating a similar diet, there could be egg quality stuff as well going on. So we'd be working on everything together. Would so you that- take a sample of, the male sperm and then is it like a swab of the f- vagina for the microbiome yeah. yeah yeah you can actually get a semen microbiome test done as well um i don't recommend that as routinely as the vaginal one but what we what we would do is like say for example if if a woman came back and she had like multiple infections i'd be like right and he had poor sperm quality mm. i'd be like probably you're sharing some microbes we need to look at if that's affecting his sperm quality especially if he changes his diet and we're not seeing any improvements in the sperm yeah. we're like let's look at his cause um an infection down there and it's not even be more like an imbalance basically your good guys are going to be creating all these anti-inflammatory compounds keeping the immune system really calm and the bad guys are going to be really aggravating the immune system and um, creating a lot of inflammation and oxidative stress that's what damages the sperm that's what predisposes you to like miscarriage risk even like if you know the miscarriage risk wasn't there working on your microbiome like especially the woman because she used to carry the baby like that's what the baby is going to be exposed to. Um, you, you can either be putting them into like a toxic inflamed area or like a really yeah. lovely anti-inflammatory, um, like abundant and good bacteria. And then that's what they're going to be getting a mouthful of during yeah. birth, you know? Um, so you're really going to be seeding their gut like with lovely microbes instead of, you know, bad ones. So it's a flower bed nice and prepared to plant the lovely flowers. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, the uterus is going to be so much more receptive and it's going to be nice and calm. Um, So there's multiple factors that with fertility, 
one of the things um I think like I, my um online program is really comprehensive and there's kind of upgrades if you want to do your mic microbiome test and if you want to do um like have some time with me because I do think like you know a lot of the time I'd have like done put together online programs before they've like worked amazingly for people but sometimes I think with fertility you need an outside eye just to be like join all the dots for you something that somebody else might see that you don't see like and I might just even take just like you know chatting somebody talking to you about your case history and like somebody listening to you because yeah. like you might go in for a consultation with the gynae but like if you're if you get 15 minutes like you're lucky they yeah. as I said like the first person I went to never even asked me my history about my my cycle the second person like was way more interested um the female cycle will give us so much information about our health like I've known people that listen to what the signals and the symptoms that our bodies are giving us become yeah. if we if we're so busy that we can't see them or hear them and then we miss the signals and then they become louder and louder and then they're harder to get back from and just coming back to balance implementing simple things yeah um yeah so that's basically what it's about and I know that like you are always promoting you know simple strategies that you can include daily as well like just to kind of make things yeah easier. I love your message in Neve about empowering people to look after their own health and implement the easy simple things and not a you know complete crazy overhaul that will create more stress and um, thank you so much for all of your time and wisdom and information um where can we find you on instagram and your website if we want to check in more with you um on instagram and facebook um i'm leave brook nutrition my website is actually the happy hormone clinic.com though happyhormoneclinic.com yeah thank you so much for having me on it was lovely chatting thank to you today. i could have chatted to you for another hour but we're um i think we've time enough for this episode anyway maybe we'll have you back for another one yeah thank you so much thank you neve thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that empowering conversation with neve you can find more about her at neve burke nutrition or happyhormoneclinic.com you can find more about me and my events at moveandbreathe.ie on social media and my website